Welcome back to World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th in Gleason in Portland, Oregon. OMN editor Tom D'Antoni with you again for another coffee shop conversation. This time, not long back from two lengthy tours, one with Jill Scott, one with Bootsy Collins, with a new album out, one ready to go, and one in production. One of the busiest musicians in Oregon, trumpeter-composer Farnell Newton, or Neutron Newton, as we'll find out. He's one of those musicians who is comfortable in any genre, but who's focusing on soul and funk and jazz in various versions and combinations of them at the moment. His new album is called Ready to Roll, and we'll hear some of it next time. Longtime Portland favorite, one of the last of the great boogie-woogie pianists, and now an institution in Canada, David Vest. Right now, let's talk with Barnell. Hey, thanks for coming in. <laughs> thanks for having me, Tom. <laughs> See, all this time, I, I, we, we, we did talk, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit before we started here. I hate that, but I had to anyway. And I always thought, I always thought you were from Philly. Yeah, originally from Miami, but my family, uh-huh. majority of my family is from Philly by way of Oklahoma. My Indian side, uh-huh. Sonny Murray, uh-huh. um, all of them was born in Oklahoma, and then they kind of moved to Philadelphia, and that's where, my, like, my mom was born and uh-huh. aunts and stuff. And, yeah. And then yeah. a lot of them moved to Miami, and then I, were, I was born there. So, uh-huh. But I went back and lived there for a couple of years uh-huh. and got into jazz. That's where I fell in love with jazz. In, in really? The city of brotherly love, yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Definitely. How old were you when you, when you discovered jazz? Um, I was about 16, 15 going on 16. It was, uh-huh. was kind of late, but... Um, but at the time, the young musicians in Philadelphia were really uh, running a scene. You know, you had Jaleel Shaw. Yeah. You had Oren Evans doing a, a weekly with Ari Honeg. And um, you had the, the old older musicians like Johnny Codes and oh, yeah. Sid Simmons and Mike Boone and all of those guys and, and Joey DeFrancesco and stuff. So, you know, um, you know, we, we were in jazz clubs. I didn't know you had to be 21 to be in a jazz club because we were in there playing. I didn't know what I was playing really at the time, but I was in there. <laughs> what had been, what had you been into before that? Before I was just playing music. You know, they teach you how to play and they put the music in front of your face and uh-huh. you play, you know, host um, planets and you're playing yeah. Sousa and you're yeah. playing yeah. stuff. And then our music director at the high school for creative and performing arts smack take the a train on our stance and was like when we get to this section we want you to solo and i looked at the other trumpet player and said solo what's that and that's when i and that's when i started learning about jazz and then i started getting curious and i looked through my uncle's records classical records and started finding Keith Jarrett and yeah. Ahmad Jamal yeah. and, and, and all kind of different records and Coltrane and, and that kind of sparked it. I went to a summer camp at University Arts and that was it. Well, how did you feel when you got done that first solo? <laughs> I don't know what was happening. I was just like, well, I see some notes on there and I see some chords. I didn't even really know what chords officially were in a way. So, yeah. But you know what? That, that sparked the, the, the flame uh-huh. from there I really tried to find everything I can about jazz and what it was and, yeah. and, and it, was, it was great that I was in Philadelphia I mean a lot really? of great youth organizations yeah. uh, 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 Mount Airy 
um, jazz ensemble. Uh-huh. It was the Clef Club that I was a part of as well. Uh-huh. Um, it was so many groups and, and so many youth and, and yeah. young people playing. And, and yeah. I took to it really fast. So uh-huh. really, really learned really quickly uh-huh. about I mean, I already knew how to play my instrument, yeah. So it wasn't that wasn't the, the handicap. The handicap was to learn what is solo and patterns, mm-hmm. scales, transcriptions, you know, vocabulary, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, well, before that hit, what were you listening to for fun? I mean, what... <laughs> well, before that, I was listening to a lot of hip hop. I yeah. was a hip hop head, you yeah. know. I came yeah. came from Miami, Florida. I listened to Two Live Crew. Absolutely, that's just. That's, right. That was the music of the streets. I listened to R and B uh-huh. and Babyface, and uh-huh. and I listened to Too Short, and yeah. and a lot of and at, what was I listening to? Listening to like Guns N' Roses and things like uh-huh. that. But you know that once that happened, the jazz took over. It was yeah. that was it. I spent my money buying jazz records and. Yeah. And, and but I bet I bet you still got a soft spot for that because you never forget when you when you're oh, no. when you're when no. you're 12 and 11 and 12 and stuff you know and 13 and you hear that stuff for the first time it never it never leaves you oh no yeah. no I still I listen, still listen to everything I, yeah. I put everything on yeah. and for my kids we play everything yeah. you know so you know I feel like if the music is good you know and, and it makes you have a emotion or 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 takes you somewhere I feel like it's it's, it's worth to play it, so I think Duke Ellington said something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Duke Ellington said a lot yeah. of great things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you know, so you're 16, you're playing jazz mm-hmm. in clubs. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, I didn't, and I and the great thing about it, I had a supportive. I was living with my aunt and uncle who was raising me. Yeah. At the time, and um, and they were supportive. They knew that I was out with fellow musicians and they knew I weren't getting in trouble. Plus they knew because we had family members like Sonny Murray. Yeah. I have a saxophone uncle named Connie Murray. They used yeah. to work with Jimmy Merritt and a, uh-huh. a lot of different people. And um, so they kind of, they knew I was in good hands. You know, yeah. they knew I wasn't yeah. just, I mean, we was having fun. We're kids, you know, right. and, and running the streets. But at the same time, they knew I was serious about music. So yeah. they was really supportive of me. And look at you now, man. You're on the road all the time. Look at me now. <laughs> look at you now. All downhill. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's been good. It's It's been good. I really, you know. You've been uh, on the road a lot this year. Yeah, this summer. I did a, a summer tour with Jill Scott. Uh, we did over 30 cities. Plus, we did, you know, uh, a bunch of TV things for BET, uh-huh. TV One, um, uh, Good Morning America. And, uh-huh. I'm uh, about to do Jimmy Kimmel, and you know, do, we're, we're staying busy. She has, you know, her record came out "Woman," and yeah. it was the number one on the Billboard charts for yeah. a couple of weeks, and and it's still up there in the charts. And and uh, she's busy; she's keeping us busy. Yeah, you know, so yeah. which is a great thing. <laughs> it is a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how how uh, how long have you been playing with her? With her, I've been with her band probably about. Um, almost two and a half years. Yeah. Now. So it's been, thought. you know, I've been all over the place. I've been, uh-huh. you know, to Australia. I've been all over the U.S. everywhere. And um, and you know, I'm looking forward to going to Europe with her uh-huh. one of these days soon. And um, and, and at the same time, I was performing with Boosie Collins. So when she wasn't busy, I would leave there and go to play with, you know, legendary funk, 
you know, master of the universe, Boosie Collins, yes. and with Boosie, we went everywhere from, I mean, we went all over Europe to, and I never even went to Europe before there. Now it's just like, it's like, oh, we're going to Europe again, you know. But everybody, now, <laughs> everybody's got to ask you, what's it like touring with Boosie? Oh, it's great. Boosie, I mean, Boosie's a character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he's very he's 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 so about the music like uh -huh. he's you know it's, it's serious like my my professor Wendell Logan uh, at Oberlin Conservatory of Music was like you know he's like he's serious as a heart attack like that was that's how serious Boosie is and he takes his music very seriously but it's but he's fun to be around too because yeah. you know he calls me Neutron <laughs> and he says man when he, you know on stage you know he's all like yeah. bigger than life and what. Been doing this stuff, but then when he's off the stage, he's all quiet and stuff. He's like, "Man, Neutron, you were killing on that mug tonight." You know, so he's, "Man, you was doing it." So you know, um, so I was with his band for about a, a year or so, and yeah. then um, I got my trombone player Kyle Molitor from uh -huh. Portland yeah. in the band as well. So now uh, we're both in. I don't, band. I don't know that people understand. The importance of Mr. Collins in, in, oh, in American musical history. Some some people don't realize it, and 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 the people that really do puts him up there where he yeah he's supposed to be because he was the connection. He was the connection for George Clinton to the funk. Yes, without yeah. Boosie Collins, I mean, I don't know which direction they would have went. because uh -huh. because uh -huh. Boosie validated. George Clinton yeah. with anything in a funk. So and that's why Boosie is on all of those songs as writers and, yeah. and producers well, he, and everything. He, isn't he the one who brought the one? Yeah, he played with James. He brought you know, and, and, and James I, I, Brown was I, all about the one. I have heard, I have seen stories mm -hmm. that say that Bootsy brought the one to James Brown. Oh. Well, you might have. Well, who knows? You know, I mean, yeah, you never who knows know about that. that that's stuff, when you, you know? start. Yeah. That's when you got to yeah. have a round table of who, yeah, who, what. But you got to remember, James was already a, like a well-oiled machine. Like, yes. So when they yeah. when they got Boosie and Catfish in the band, you know, it was just kind of like to fill the spots. But at the same time, they really influenced. Oh, it the changed music. them. It changed the music. Absolutely. So yeah. so now he's taking the one yeah. from James Brown. And he's bringing it over to P Funk, where everything is on the one. Right. So now, so now <laughs> you you you're starting a whole new thing. And then you have people like, you know, uh, Bernie Worrell, who was bringing in the the, the right. intergalactic sounds of the Moog and the yep. keyboards and the synths, yep. Yep. and and it just painted this landscape. And 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 the story developed. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. I mean, and from there, I don't even think people who don't realize how important Parliament. And the Funkadelics were, you know, I mean, but it all had to do with Boosie as well. And yeah. Catfish Collins. Right. You know, Catfish played with Boosie. Well, still was playing with James Brown and was playing with Parliament and yeah. was doing, yeah. you know, those guys, you know, they, they opened a lot of doors for a lot of artists. You know? Hallelujah. So, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> the funk's on me. <laughs> oh, Lord. So how, how do you – where – it's, just, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people who play in different styles, but you seem to, um, you, you really, uh, uh, you, it, you're, that's your thing. 
right? Mm-hmm. It really is. That's I fine. mean, that, you, you've obviously, you've so far made a really good career for yourself out of yeah. doing that. Yeah. Uh, it, do you, uh, is, is, is there a problem not having focused on one thing and having made the greatest jazz record ever made well, or the greatest one of these, or do you think you're spreading yourself thin or, or how do you look at it? No, I mean, for me, I don't feel like I'm spreading myself thin because I'm expressing who I am. Yeah. And all of these, all of these influences makes up, um, Farnell Newton. Yeah. Um, Sometimes, you know, I hate the fact that, you know, when I look at a downbeat, I'm not going to see my name on the downbeat list of jazz trumpeters because I don't just do that. But right. on that same list, all of those guys know who I am, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, you know, they respect me. I respect them. But sometimes it's hard. But, you know, I, I played Puerto Rican to Cuban music for 20 years and I played, yeah. you know, big band music and I've done klezmer music and I've yeah. done funk and I've. I feel like it's just an extension of who I am and, and yeah. the love I have for the music. Yeah. And, and for yeah. me, it never, the music never gets stale because, right. um, you know, I always have different things I want to add and flavors. And, yeah. you know, I just yeah. made a record that's strictly soul and, 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 and funky. Then I have another project that's already basically done. That's just straight funk. Uh-huh. And I'm working on, doing a jazz album that I already wrote the music I already got the players uh-huh. I just have to say okay let's do it yeah. you know but my what, schedule what, has been crazy what, what, what style of jazz is it it's going to be still contemporary um, yeah. still with an urban flair but uh-huh. still more in a jazz vein this yeah. will be a truly my um, my first true jazz record no uh-huh. no soul no you know but but I'm still gonna have some of those influences in sure. there. You know, it's, sure. it's still a part of who I am as yeah. a as a musician and, and trumpeter. So, huh. yeah. But I'm looking forward to doing that. I just gotta look at my schedule uh-huh. and, and see what <laughs> what Jill Scott's schedule is and and Boosie's schedule is and and. Do you still have time to teach? No, no. Wow. I, I I stopped teaching at Portland State about two years ago. I wrote yeah. a beautiful letter and basically and sent it in to Charlie Gray and the staff yeah. and, and, and it was really, you know, you know, happy for me, you know. And since then, you know, everything's been taken off for me. I mean, I Yeah. I mean, and I told my wife, I said, Hey, I'm gonna do this, but if it doesn't really go forward and up, uh-huh. you know, we need to convene in six months and say, What's gonna be the next direction for me? Because, you yeah. know, I got family, I gotta take care of the baby. How many you got? I got four girls and one boy. Wow. Five kids. Man. From 14 to four years old. Jeez. Yeah. So two with me and my wife, Zipporah, and I have three, um, Jade, Jewel, and Jasmine through my previous marriage. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I take, I'm busy. Basketball. I guess you are. (laughs) Preschool, (laughs) kindergarten, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stop, but I, I enjoy it. I truly love it and enjoy it. So, and they all, you know, they all are part of me and, and my makeup too. I look at them sure. and I'm like, you're just like your dad, you know, Uh-oh. <laughs> or you're just like your mom, you know, you know yeah, I can yeah. see yeah, my influence sure. rubbing off on uh-huh. them and stuff. So. Are they musical? Yes. Yes. My oldest yeah. plays clarinet. Um, clarinet. Yes. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. I think at the time they had too many saxophone players <laughs> in our middle school. Yeah. yeah and yeah. my second daughter wants to do saxophone. Um, and Quincy loves to play trumpet and drums. Uh-huh. Lyra, she's more of a dancer. 
uh, actress. She's dramatic, yeah. like yeah. super dramatic. Yeah. Uh, and then Jasmine, she loves sports and gymnastics and uh -huh. track and basketball. Uh -huh. We'll see. She might do some music when she gets to that. She's only eight now, so. <laughs> but yeah, time. She has got time. plenty of time. And I feel like I, as a musician and as an artistic person, as long as I keep them surrounded by the arts, you know, they gravitate to something. Or yeah have a, a true appreciation of the music and a love for the music. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's not too many, not too, not too, too, too much, not too many calls for clarinet players though. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that are really doing it and do it well, man. Yeah. Right. You know, they're, they're cherished, you know, cause yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, last of a dying breed. You, right. know, you don't I mean, hear too many of them. Don Byron. Yeah. Anat yeah. Cohen. And, yeah. And yeah. there's yeah. a few other people, um, that I know of through uh, Jam of the Week, that, uh -huh. who are great clarinetists, but they're all yeah. spread across the country. Right, right, so. right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I I read the autobiography of Pete Fountain one time, uh -huh. and his first major gig in New Orleans was on a boat that was owned by the guy who uh, who uh, was the biggest fruit dealer hmm. in New Orleans. It was a D'Antoni. Wow! 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 So Any relations? Of course. Oh, okay. Has to be. Okay. <laughs> Kidding me? Hey. Well, you know, now you, nowadays you could go to, uh, you know, do your DNA. Yeah. And trace all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Lots of D'Antonis in New Orleans. Yeah. I yeah. think that's why I'm. That's the way you are so close to it. You, yeah, that's yeah. the reason why you are the way I think you so. are. Could be. <laughs> Anything to get away from Baltimore roots. Yeah. <laughs> Although, with you spending so much time in Philadelphia, we do have one thing in common. What? Tasty cakes. Oh, yeah. Tasty cakes. Oh, man. Butterscotch. People here perfect. don't know. People, don't people know here it. just don't know. They're the, 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 the Northeast yeah. Little Debbie. They're great. Right. Yeah, just, but it's just around the Middle Atlantic, Atlantic area with Tasty yeah. Cakes, man. The truth. Someone bought them. Um, really? And they're now shipping them. They're in different. You can places. get them here. Yeah. There, there's there, at least you used to. There was a, a, a hoagie hoagie shop at Selwood. Oh yeah. That, that it's, a, it's a couple of places yeah, around yeah. That, that sells cheesesteaks, <laughs> but also has tasty cakes. The real yeah, cheesesteak yeah. shops has tasty cakes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now I want a cheesesteak. Good lord. <laughs> um, so. Uh, do you find it uh, easy to slip in f from uh, a leader role to just a member of the band? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a, a supportive cast member, uh -huh. but I know when it's my time to step up, uh -huh. and when it is, you have to be able to step up. Yeah, um, I feel like that's why I get along and, and play in so many different bands, just as a horn section. Mm -hmm. And people are like, "We want to hear you solo, Farnell, solo." Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, "But that's not my job. My job is yeah. as a supporting role. Like, yeah. I'm happy just to get one um, solo with Jill, and maybe another thing I might do like eight or sixteen bars, and, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm happy with it because I'm yeah. supporting her. She's the focus of this whole night. Yeah. I mean, without us there, she wouldn't be performing up there. But at the same time. It's a, it's a relationship. We're all doing this together. Yeah. But yeah. when it's time for me to step up and do my thing with my band or whoever, yeah. Yeah. I do so. You yeah. know. Yeah. Is there anybody that that uh, that that you you learned from about about uh, the most the important things about being a leader? Um, just a lot of different people. Yeah. Uh, certain professors I had at, at yeah. Oberlin uh, School of Music, and then um, 
and then the people I play with on the road, like Mike Phillips. Yeah. And, and also just being in the band with Boosie and Jill. Yeah. Like, I'm constantly learning. Like, I'm not just How there. How could you not? Yeah. I'm not just there to, yeah. to just play the horn. Like, I'm digesting everything oh, i can God, yeah. and with jill i I'm really learned how to tell a story through your through ah. your song list uh -huh. because we could play we could play the same 15 songs and we could just arrange them a certain way and she could tell a whole nother story with the same set of songs yes but it'd be a whole yeah. nother story yeah. it'd be a yeah. lighter story right but then the night before it was kind of dark and, and yeah. real moody yeah. and then the next night it could be totally mixed you know <laughs> So uh -huh. I'm I'm learning that from her and then uh -huh. people like Boosie, you know, you know, because Boosie's the type of person is like James Brown. You have to watch him because you never know when he's gonna he's gonna raise that bass up and drop it on a one or oh. or uh, a break is gonna come or uh -huh. or even with Jill, Jill will stop the band in the middle of a song and <laughs> and want us to to create literally create something from scratch right then wow. and be able to go and follow her direction. And, you know, so th those are the type of things I'm learning. Exciting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It definitely is, you know. Yeah. And, of course, you know, listening and watching videos and, and learning and, and seeing live musicians and people. You know, I, I've got to hang out and see Freddie Hubbard plenty of times before he passed. Yeah. And, and, and see people like Roy Hargrove when he was at the height of his fame with his band. Uh -huh. and, and seeing these guys and how they uh, um, handled themselves as leaders of the band. You uh -huh. know, I, I learned a lot from those guys as well. So, so what kind are you? Are you a, are you a are you a tough guy? Or are you a, are you are you a player's coach? You know, I'm trying to. My thing is like I feel like it's a team. Yeah. Like you know, I'm you know I'm not the guy that's on the sidelines barking at them, telling them uh -huh. what to do. I'm like, hey, if we want to do this, hey, let's all get on the field, let's do it together, and I'm going to give you some pointers on the way because. Eventually, the goal is to to put on a great show and win. Yeah. You know, in that sense. So, um, so I'm definitely like the players coach. You know, uh -huh. like I'm on the field with the guys instead of being like, uh -huh. you know, kind of pointing and yeah. and, and yeah. being the dictator, which yeah. some people do. Yeah. You know, as yeah. band leaders. Yes. Yes. <laughs> James Brown being one. Yes, definitely. How, how, what did Bootsy take? Is it, what's what's Bootsy like as a leader? Um, Bootsy's great. You know, the Boot Bootsy. You know, he's all about making sure that everything feels right. Uh -huh. You know, like you could be the most proficient and virtual, so like virtuosic, like, uh -huh. like musician. But if the feeling's not there, he's like, you know, he's making sure that you get the feeling and the groove and the the hump. You know, some songs gotta have a hump to it. Yeah. Some songs gotta have a certain feel or vibe to it. And, and he's he's about getting that uh -huh. uh, by any means you know i've seen yeah. him get on the drums kick the drummer off the drum and get on the drums to play flashlight it's like right. this is the way it goes <laughs> and you know those guys like mudbone cooper yeah mudbone if you look at his discography and a lot of those records he's playing drums on a lot of the p-funk records yeah. and he's singing and you know and and i think on a couple of things i saw boosie name as a drummer on a couple uh -huh. of things you know i mean it was all about getting the feel down you know steve look at stevie wonder right stevie wonder would get on the drums and sure and play drums so sure yeah it's all about the feel and and the, and the pocket of it so ah yeah man 
I haven't seen them go off or anything. Um, okay. I haven't been around for those, but uh, <laughs> excuse me. I feel like if everybody's doing their job, no one has to go there, right? <laughs> but if need be, you got to be able to go there. Well, when it's time, everybody's capable. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. You have to. <laughs> there was a guy I remember because uh, you know. Well, I'm. You probably have discovered this too. When when I moved here, for one thing, people mistook volume for anger yeah. instead of ex, ex, instead of enthusiasm you know i mm-hmm. get i get loud because i'm italian mm-hmm. and it's part of my life and uh uh but you know i i, I do believe that um expressing anger mm-hmm. where it's where it should be directed is a good thing no it's a good it's thing. a good thing it's a good thing yes indeed and uh and, but, we, and uh, we have to be able to express ourselves in those ways yeah um and sometimes if we feel an anger Sometimes you gotta let the person do and feel the anger, or yeah. if they're sad, let yeah. them have their sad moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, be there for them, right. but then you know, but you know, let them have their moment because that's a part yeah. of getting it off your chest. Absolutely. You know? And then after that, Absolutely. you can move on, <laughs> or go to the next thing. <laughs> you know, or, or find another drummer. <laughs> exactly. There's plenty of those happening in in those type of bands. I mean. So do you ever want to go? Have you, have you ever thought? Of, uh, I mean, I, I know that you when you started, you, you said you were you were playing classical music in class. Mm-hmm. You ever you ever want to go back to that? Mm, no, but stylistic wise, I want to play certain genres of music in their earlier forms. Like I love, like I played Cuban song music uh-huh. for for many years, and eventually. Um, talking about going to Cuba and doing like a song slash like Bolero record, yeah. you know, and that's, and yeah. I feel like that's, yeah. that's, you know, you could, that's going back a hundred and so years right there. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and that's as classical I want to get, you know, like, uh-huh. you know, if I want to do soul music, I want to maybe, you know, do some authentic soul from the, from the fifties and the sixties uh-huh. and uh-huh. try to do it in, the way they did it, you yeah. know, because it's an art to it, and it's it's understanding that, and I feel like if you understand that, you could pull that out of your bag anytime, you yeah. know, kind of like yeah. you know Felix, you know Felix, whenever he needed to, you could reach in that yeah. bag yeah. and pull it out. If I needed yeah. to go classic soul, we could go classic soul. If we need Barnall to go, Newton plays T S O P. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, you know, and that's the thing with jazz too. Sometimes. I went through that too, where I was really into hard bop, then I was really into modu, and I was yeah. really into avant garde, and yeah. I wanted to, yeah. to to try all of those things to yeah. really dive into it and understand them. So then, if I needed to, I could kind of just pull that out whenever yeah. and have that language under under my hands. Uh, I, I, in in Dizzy's autobiography, he said uh, he, when he was young, he thought if I can just play like Roy Eldridge mm-hmm. then I can play anything is there any was there was there anybody that that you tried to emulate when you were coming up oh yeah uh, as a as a young guy definitely miles when I yeah. was in college yeah. yeah um I had a professor Don Walden from Detroit he he played with Aretha he played with like you know um did some stuff with Thelonious Monk and like uh-huh. West Montgomery and all these people and, and he's he was known like the bebop police of Detroit with Barry Harris and yeah. Marcus Belgrade. Yeah. And I remember my first jury at Oberlin going in playing and I had you know, I was playing towards the ground. Yeah. And yeah. and he looked over to me, he said, 
Yo, what the hell you doing? You think you Miles Davis or something? <laughs> he said, the trumpet is to bring in the kings and queens. Hold your horn up. And, and, like, <laughs> and, then, but then, and then also for me, another person was Freddie Hubbard. Like Freddie really, yeah. really shaped um, you know, my playing and, uh-huh. and just what, his, what was it about him that, that I mean he could play anything. Yeah. Like Miles Miles could play a whole pile of trumpet. Yeah. But Miles was dealing with certain things stylistically. Yeah. And sound wise. So he would right. only play like kind of blue. He only plays in a certain yeah. area of the horn right. and, and he's really uh accenting every note uh-huh. with different inflections and uh-huh. stuff. And and then if you listen to it later, Miles with uh, Wayne Shorter and those guys, totally different play. You yeah, know, um, yeah, stretching, finding out more and stuff. But Freddie just seemed like in everything he played, he just played the horn miraculously. He was like he could play anything whenever he wanted to. You know, yeah. I mean, there was no, you know, until like Woody Shaw came along, I feel like there was like no one playing that much horn as Freddie. Like, uh-huh up and down the horn uh-huh. and soulful and yeah. telling a story yeah. and then Woody came around Woody was like oh I'm gonna take some Freddie and I'm gonna I'm gonna even take it further deeper and angular and uh-huh. and different and which he did you know well let's take a little coffee break here and let's listen to a, a track from Ready to Roll huh what do you think we ought to listen to um Peace of Love is always my first Peace and Love choice. Yeah, I play that many times on my yeah. radio show. Well, it's got a, it's got a great message. Actually, the song was was sitting on Tony Ozier's hard drive. Yeah. For probably about a year and a half. Wow. And me and Jared was too busy to get together to make a new song. And Jared was like, "Hey, go check out this song that me and Tony did." And I heard it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I was like, "This is it." Yeah. And then you know, I added my magic to it, and Uh and it came together quite well. Magic was that. <laughs> well, magic Come on now. My my horn. All right. <laughs> but I had yeah. trumpet, flugelhorn, muted horns. Uh-huh. I mean, I had the the full gamut. Like I really took my time with that song. Uh-huh. And after cutting it the first time, I knew that was it. Well, now the coffee has been now the coffee has uh, been uh, <laughs> has been ground. <laughs> we are in a coffee shop. Hey, you know, you know we got to have the coffee. Got oh, to, man. Got to. Got to. Um, 
Okay, so how many horns are on that? Well, I play like um, uh, harmony mute, uh-huh. cup mute, trumpet, and flugel, well, open trumpet and uh-huh. flugelhorn. Wow. Yeah. And um, and I have a great studio that I work out of, and and I can just take my time and, and really like. Is it your? No, it's um actually my good friend who owns Palm Beach a Restaurant, uh-huh. um John Maribona. Uh-huh. He has a studio uh-huh. um, that he does his records out of. Uh-huh. He's currently doing a record called Machete, Machete, Machete Man uh-huh. that I that he did in Cuba and that he did here. Uh-huh. Who's gonna have me? Tony Ozer, Kyle Molitor, and Great. other people on it as well. Uh-huh. Wow. Perfect blend of, of Cuban, yeah. some rock, soul, a little uh-huh. bit of everything. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, so Jared, Jared wrote the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Jared wrote his verse. Yeah. Um, I don't know who came up with the hook, uh-huh. but you know, when it comes to this type of thing, we're kind of like. We just all kind of split it down the middle <laughs> when it comes to publishing and stuff. We're like, okay, we, you know, it's like you get thirty. I think I gave them thirty-five percent each, yeah. and I kept thirty. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I did the least, but but at the same time, it, it all came together to make that great song. Because if someone else would have got it, it could have been totally something else, yeah. or yeah. it could have been still sitting on Tony's hard drive four years later yeah. instead of two years, you know, so. Well, see, I don't know how much you get per play on the radio, so 30% of point zero zero three yeah. cents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, but I'm glad to do it, you know what But saying? it's good for licensing, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, the, the, nowadays, you know, that's as, the as a musician, we yeah. got to we gotta use everything we can we can get, you know, yeah. um, yeah. you know, selling yeah. CDs on a row, merchandise, but also yeah. licensing music. Like Absolutely. someone contacted yeah. me and was like, Hey, I was waiting for this video to show up on YouTube uh-huh. and the commercial was playing your song. And it was a Stouffer's commercial ah. um, for some new dinner they have. Yeah. But, but that's all come through Marmoset. Uh-huh. I, I go uh-huh. through, I work with Marmoset yeah. um, for licensing. So, you know, it all, you know, when the quarter comes, the beginning of the quarter, hopefully October, I get a, a nice check. From them, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and I always look forward to it. Though <laughs> I know, I mean, I, I was talking with Michael Quinby from the Roseland Hunters, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, that that album's been ready for months and months. Mm-hmm. You know, it finally came out. You know, him mm-hmm. and Foxworth and all yeah. those guys mm-hmm. on that, Damien and yeah, uh, and, and, I'm on a song, and you're on a song, right? You're on yeah. a song, and um, uh, but he had he had he had licensed a couple of his tunes months before the yeah. thing even came out. So yeah, good. Well, the thing you. about it, if the song is done, yeah, it's like you might as well. Even though the thing about it is, a lot of things are done, but the CDs might not be done yet, yeah. or the vinyls yeah. might not be done. So you ha- you're sitting on the stuff. It's like start putting it to work, licensing it, giving it, taking it, sending it to people, uh-huh. and everything. You putting out any vinyl? Yes, I, I just got the order today saying wow. that my vinyl is on its way. That's great. If I would have known the yeah. process of vinyl. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have released this record until like wow. today. Wow. Because you know, there's only so many plants in America. Yeah. And they're backed up. Uh-huh. And it takes uh-huh. two, three, four, five, six months uh-huh. to get vinyl back. I didn't know this. I've never yeah. did vinyl. Yeah. Never yeah. had yeah. a reason to do vinyl. Yeah. I've been on vinyl uh-huh. for like, you know, um seventy eights and for different like, you know, hip hop, retro things, but yeah. That was the first time, and and this that was uh, a grueling experience. But um, really, but just because you know, 
if I would have known the time, I would have planned everything better. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I, 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 I never believed it, but back when I was uh, um, a party DJ, mm-hmm. uh, which may come again because I've got a hit radio show now. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. But um, I, you know, I'd always heard this sort of urban legend mm-hmm. that people dance more react more as far as dancing goes to vinyl better than they do to digital oh wow and i'm going like okay okay and then i i i i I would test it yeah yeah and it seemed to be true i know i have a i have a different reaction yeah when i hear stuff on vinyl there's there's people people always use the word vinyl has more warmth i don't know exactly what that means Mm -hmm. you know when you know when they when they you know when somebody else says it but but i i react differently to music on vinyl yeah, I mean, I, that's why I, you know, I I play tons and tons and tons of vinyl it. on my radio I, show. I just have my vinyl player down yeah. today, yeah. and um, and I just bought my brother-in-law, uh, Ahmad Jamal, live ah, at the person because nice. he nice. was listening to some Bill Evans, and I said, if you like Bill Evans yeah. and Miles, yeah, I need to go and hip you to Ahmad because right. Ahmad influenced Miles. Yeah, so let yeah. me, and so I bought it for him yesterday at um. Yeah. Was a vinyl resting place in St. John's. Oh yeah, and you know it's a little yeah, spendy yeah, yeah. over there, but you get good records and good right. quality. So right, right. Um, I, I I was in went, was in Goodwill the other day, mm-hmm. and I found place I found an Eartha kit. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I man. go to, I go to Goodwill too. Whenever I go, I always find something. Uh, you know, and and she does like I I I don't I don't think it was the hit version, mm-hmm. but she does a version of Stacey Bone, which mm-hmm. is just kill you. Kill you, you know. And then, it, and I interviewed her one time. I interviewed her. Uh, uh, it was I spent like half a day with Eartha. Mm-hmm. I wow. spent half a day with Eartha. Wow. Kid. My God, that's, that's, a, uh, <laughs> that's an experience. It was an experience. We got to do a big argument on on camera. It was great. It was great. Wow. She was against federal funding of the arts, which wow. shocked the hell out of me because she was the one. I mean, you're, before your time, but she was she was she got very famous for getting into a big argument with Lyndon Johnson's wife, Lady Bird, wow. against, against the war, and she was like, people called her a communist and all this stuff. Wow. Anyway, she was just Earth a kid. Yeah, she was like the coolest. She reminds me of me because I, I got in trouble with some people um, when this whole uh, arts levy passed. You uh-huh. know, because uh-huh. um, I was like. You know, when they put it out, it was they weren't really forthcoming in everything they was doing yeah. with it. Yeah. And I was like, why are you hiding this from the people? You know how they do it. They just show right. you like, oh, it's going to this. But really, yeah. it's going to all these other things. But we're not going to tell you that right now. Yeah. And, I'm yeah. Like, and I spoke up about it. And a couple of newspaper people and, and musicians was like, why are you against the arts thing? Because I was like, it might be fine now, but it's been kind of. I don't know. We don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> like I said, I have kids in a public school system, I understand. so I, yeah. I, I I get it. <laughs> oh man. Well, look. Um, uh, you know. Uh, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Okay. You used to be bleak, oh. and now you're something else. What are you now? Well, well, bleak, bleak beats. Of course, named after. Uh, Bleak Gilliam from yeah. the Spike Lee movie, yeah. uh, Mo Better Blues. Yeah. Um, that was my hip hop producer name. Yeah. And I did, I did produce, I, I produced a lot of different hip hop for a lot of people around the country. Yeah. And um, and I just found out that that grind 
was even harder than being a musician. And I was like, I could pick up my horn and make money like that. And with the track things, it was just so much loopholes and industry stuff. And uh, and still to this day, I'll be somewhere and and someone will say, you're bleak, aren't you? (laughs) Or like Steven Swatkins calls me bleak still. Still. And and Tony once in a while will say bleak. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, oh, <laughs> right now I, I, I kind of go by Neutron, Neutron as well because of Bootsy. Because you know? of Bootsy. Well, and if, if, if Bootsy calls you Neutron, the whole world should call you Neutron. Yes. yes. You know, so and he kind of <laughs> dubbed me that on the stage with him. And then, you know, being on the jam cruise and these different functions and, and people just started to to gravitate and use it. And my manager yeah. was like, we're going to use Neutron. Let's go. Well, I'm going to put it in parentheses in the headline. Yeah. Absolutely. Neutron, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then with my band, my, my new band that I have that we're working on the spring tour and, and, and we're playing every Tuesday this month, well, for the month of September, if you're listening, um, uh-huh. at the Goodfoot. And that's Farnell Newton yeah. and the other ship connection. Yeah. So, yeah. which I, you know, I had to talk to some of the, the old heads right. of P-Funk and I was like, hey. You know, what do you think about this idea? You know, yeah. you think that'd be cool? And they're like, dude, do it. You know, because I'm one of those type of people, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, especially right. yeah. my elder musicians. Exactly. Who paved, yeah. paved the way right. through all kind of, you know, sacrifices. So, you know, I talked to Mud Bone Cooper and Frankie Cashwadi and, uh-huh. and those guys to say, hey, what do you think about me using other ship connection? It was like, yo. Yeah, go do it. So now we can just say, "I want the bomb. I want the neutron." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, definitely, definitely. But you know, the name of that group is great too because we still could do original music and our music. Yeah. But if I wanted to, I could bring in some of those guys. I could bring Blackbird Midnight. Yeah. I could bring Bernie. Yeah. I could bring Mudbone Cooper. So who and, who is in this band? Oh, good, good uh, on drums, Tyrone Hendricks. Oh man, guitar is a young guy by the name of Jai Pata uh-huh. Hotep Marshall. That's his full name. Ajai Pata Hotep Marshall. Okay. Uh, from Hawaii. Uh-huh. Um, trombonist uh, Kyle Molitor is on yeah. there. Bassist who used to be with Liv Warfield, Marquay Seamster. Oh yeah. Um, myself and our like six man is Antonio um, Zare. All right. He he holds down the organ and, yeah. and the keys, but when I need him to, he could be the front man. Right. You know, it's kind of like right. we start the, the usually our nights off instrumental, right. Right. and halfway through we throw him out there, and yeah. that just takes. We're already got people dancing and, and yeah. enjoying themselves. Then we throw him out there, then it takes it to a whole nother level. And all of a sudden, it's Duke. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been great over there. You know, I mean, it's been a great, great chance to to, to really workshop the band, put uh-huh. the band together, yeah. new material, yeah. Yeah. and also the people that comes to the Goodfoot, they support live music. Oh yeah. Know? What night of the week is that? Tuesday in September. Yes. So, um, so you know, they buy CDs, yeah. they buy shirts, they buy whatever, and they yeah. make sure they tip. That's a great club. It is. I it love is. it. Yeah. And a lot of the guys who I play with on the road, you know, from anyone from like um, Robert Walter uh, to like, um, uh, you know, you get all of these different jam bands, Scarrick, Mike Dillon, yeah. all these different groups, they all yeah. go to the Goodfoot sure. and play. And guess what? Sure. The place is packed out. People love them. And... Uh, and it's a great way for us to get new music in Portland. Yeah. You know, because I get tired of the guys skipping Portland, you know, <laughs> going yes. other places. Yeah. So, but it's good. You know, I'm enjoying it. Well, great. Hey, listen, man, uh, uh, I, I, I need to come by and see that. Yeah. I it's do. been good. It's I been, do. yeah, packed. 
which is awesome. good. <laughs> all right, man. Listen, congratulations on all your success. Thank you. You know, I mean, if anybody deserves it, you do. Well, thank you for your support. You work so hard. Years. You work Tom, so hard at it. <laughs> you've supported this team for many, many years, and we're very um, appreciative of, especially of the the, the Doogie Jam and the Doogie Funk All Stars. So you know, um, but, you know, thank you for having me here today. All right. Hey, thanks a lot. Thank you.